0: Um, Bill Gates is trying to guess <laughs> uh,
1: listen he's got a podcast with Rashida Jones now so
0: oh alright okay okay well yeah I, I can't.
1: everything's fine
0: look.
1: everyone's got podcasts is fine
0: look she had a writing credit on Toy Story 4 okay yeah she's the reason Bo Pete wears pants <laughs> All right. Hello, and welcome to the OnCast. My name is Dom, as one half of the OnCast, I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom.
1: Hello there.
0: This week, our coverage of season two of His Dark Materials continues with episode three and four, Thief and Tower of the Angels.
1: Yeah, now. Nah.
0: Things just got real.
1: Things just get real each week this shit just got real
0: yeah so the plot thickens on his dark materials um and we're continuing to cover it on um, on the podcast so <sighs> where to start um there's i think yeah so there's there's obviously we're going to cover two episodes um 3 and 4 um we'll take it one at a time i guess so in the third yeah. episode um leading on from where we left off um we basically have this little mini adventure that, which is a lot of this that third episode is set in our world. Um and it's basically Lyra going back to our world um and trying to meet up with Mary um and chaos ensues when uh, Boreal and the um the creepy policeman uh, get involved.
1: Yeah. Who is the creepy policeman? Again? I don't
0: know. he yeah, he's been there since season one and I like he'd start like Because originally there was the guy that Boreal was working with who was like some sort of hacker. Um, But then I'm pretty sure that's the guy that Will ended up killing. Right. Isn't it? There was was the guy who was like, he was a hacker or he was like, and he was like finding out information about John Parry and he found the family. But the guy who Boreal sent to spy on Will's family was this creepy policeman guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Maybe Uh, it's just Ben Copper. I feel like he just
0: hasn't, he just maybe didn't have a lot of lines in the first. In the first one, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. like, he has always been. in
1: his contract that he's got a certain amount of lines.
0: Yeah, um, and a one, a wonderful moustache. Hmm. That's so it. That was another great line from Lyra. That was like proper like when when she's like just being real cheeky with him. Um, yeah. he's like, what's your name, Lisa? What's yours? <laughs> just like yeah. being like just being a right little prick, but being really polite at the same time. <laughs> like That's like perfect, Lyra. Like,
1: and that's that's the thing. That's what's so fucking good about Daphne Keane Yeah. Is that um, she is delivering it in the same way that sort of Lyra's cocky, well, the silver tongue sort of capacity and ability that she's got, where she's just an absolute bullshit artist.
0: Yeah. I think they've, they've settled into a better groove than that in this second season. So I remember when we talked about season one, there were a couple of moments, particularly you brought this up, where they try and give her lines that she had in the book and they don't yeah. quite ring true um and you can tell like she's affecting a bit more of an accent or she's she's doing it differently um whereas i think in the second one her performance and their writing of her is a lot more confident um and part of that i guess is because at this point they're going to be writing for her specifically as an actress yeah rather than
1: just adapting what's in the book yeah and i think that's one of the sort of the, the strengths as well is that as they've gone on like the writing seems to become a little bit more comfortable
0: yeah, definitely.
1: It, yeah. it seems to have like settled into its skin a bit more everything seems to fit a little bit easier in i don't know whether that's because we've become more comfortable with the world or um it's you know i'd like to say both
0: yeah i think it's a combination of things i mean there are certain things that still stand out a little bit um and we'll get to them later because it's more in second episode um but now it, like, i think what's, what's great about the way it's, it's working at the moment is because we've got these different worlds going on um and they kind of hinted at it last season where they were jumping between we got some of will's story um and it was sort of it was very mundane like normal life and then it was contrasted with these incredible scenes back in Lyra's world with you know armored bears and all the rest of that crazy shit yeah um but now they're, they're doing it Now in in a great way with Mary. Mary's like the anchor to the real world. Um, Yeah, and you get these great little moments. Like I loved it. I think it was in that uh, third episode where her um, her her nephew and niece turn up with her sister. Yeah, Um, and just like we haven't had our snack yet, and she goes, right, let me find something for you." It says muesli because it's got chocolate in it. Trust me, it's bad for you. It's fine, (laughs) but then that's cutting in (laughs) between. That's cutting in between like fucking Lee Scoresby getting tortured to death on like by the magisterium or like all kinds of crazy shit going on in the other world or a yeah. talking bear talking to a talking like to, to, you know, talking the de- bird. a talking bird which is the demon of a witch, but then meanwhile there's a kid complaining because she's tried to give her a healthy snack.
1: in know <laughs> like like it's yeah.
0: and the fact that this show is able to have both those things like exist simultaneously is fucking yeah. crazy. But then again, that is it just sort of shows that confidence they've got at this point.
1: Yeah, because it is, and it is one of those things where you're not going to be able to come in in season two.
0: Oh fuck like. no! No, that's definitely become more and more apparent as it's gone on.
1: Um yeah. they're not,
0: they're not holding a lot of hands.
1: <laughs> no, fuck no. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm still having a brilliant time. It's like the highlight of my week at the moment, like TV wise. There are other things I'm watching at the moment that are as I was saying, like I've been watching Barry, which is amazing, and I'm very late to the party on that. Um I'm also watching Cobra Kai, which I'm a bit again late to the party on, but I'm about to get into season three is about to start soon, so but the having this high concept, high everything, like high budget, high stakes, high drama, like it's so much in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's impossible to sort of it's like incomparable at the moment television wise because even like my girlfriend and I were going through the TV listings the other night and I was like TV's fucked at the moment actual like, TV we, like yeah exactly yeah, just, yeah, I've, been like watching far, TV. I've
0: been watching far too much of Saturday night TV over the last few weeks yeah. um, partly due to the lockdown and it's been driving me slowly fucking insane <laughs> I can't stand <laughs> it it's just awful just the shit they put on terrestrial television is just mind-numbing. I hate but it. But
1: also, like, so much because of, like, COVID and coronavirus and all this sort of shit going on at the moment. Because they can't film anything. No. Like, there's so much that would have been filmed earlier this year that would have come out now.
0: Yeah, and even this even this show, like, I suffered from it. And that's something we'll talk about later on. And we've mentioned it already. Um, but so much managed to get done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like like you say, it's just it's everything's everything's fucked. Um, and then, like you said, to actually see when you if you were to look at TV listings, and when I say TV, I mean literal what's on TV at the moment. There is such mm-hmm. a there's not much on. Um, yeah, all no. the highlights, all the highlights this year have been through streaming. They've been things like The Boys and um, Umbrella Academy and The Mandalorian. Obviously, is still going on it's all the streaming stuff yeah. and, then, and then the one exception to that the one thing that you can actually tune in and watch on a terrestrial television channel is his dark materials
1: which legitimately in my opinion is some of the best television that we've had in years 100 like, yeah. i think it's up there is like it's absolutely up there with like game of thrones its best yeah. and whilst i'm not guessing as much as i am with game of thrones like there's a lot more that i know in this because i'm so much more familiar with the materials it's something that i go in every week like what are they going to do now
0: how they're going like, to do this or yeah, yeah and that, like how are they gonna do they're that? remixing it just enough and like and i'm like as we've spoken about before i don't remember these things well enough so i like yeah. when, as things were playing out particularly in that second episode i was like oh yeah i remember this now i remember yeah. the, I, but like again i'm rediscovering it as it goes um which is really interesting sort of point to come at it. so but i'm not I'm always like, and I want to sort of consult with you. I'm like, is this how it went down in the book? Is this how it happened? Because I don't remember it yeah. happening like this. That kind of thing. is always in the back of my mind, which keeps you, keeps you on your toes. Um, but yeah, I, I love it.
1: Yeah. Like completely on board. Like, and they're doing stuff like they're adding depth to like Coulter and like giving Coulter and Scoresby room to breathe and be their own characters and get yeah. to know one another um, and interact
0: Absolutely. And that's the other standout scene in that third episode um, is those two. Um, So we get a lot more time with Lee in that episode and we basically, he follows a path. He's still searching for uh, the man he knows as Grumman. um, And he's going to love Grumman. Stans loves Grumman. Yeah. Um, So he's looking for him. He's asking about him in a bar up in the North somewhere that leads him to a observatory where he has this very tense conversation with his other um, scientist talking about him. Um And then he used the word heret- heretical and all, all shit kicks off. And again, it's another one of those reminders of how dangerous Lyra's world is. Yeah. Um Because all hell breaks loose and he gets captured. Um, but what that leads to is this scene or, um, yeah, I think it is pretty much just one long scene, isn't it? Between Coulter and Lee. Yeah. Uh, where she interrogates him because she knows him as being the, the guy who was flying the balloon When Lyra escaped of anger in season one. Yeah. Um, And yeah, she comes after him hard. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, to say the least. Well, we're like, the the thing is, like, he's obviously had the shit kicked out of him um, because they think he's a heretic and because of everything else. And then she goes in after the fact because she works at the Magisterium and they start having this conversation. He immediately sort of puts it out there and he's like, I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to talk to you, and you're not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to get out of me. And then the moment that they connect, and you go, "Oh shit, this is new."
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have two minds about it because it's one of the weaker elements of the whole thing for me. Is um, and I've, you and I have spoken about this. Is um, the casting of Lee Manuel. Um, oh, Lynn Manuel. Lynn, Lynn Manuel. Sorry, yeah. Um, I mean, I know he's great and he's good at what he does, but he just doesn't seem to fit this part for me very well. I just, yeah. I can't, I can't buy him as like a, a tough guy. Do you know what I mean? Like that doesn't, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't, it's like little things that he does. Like 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 one of the things that um, stands out to me was like when he, Makes the like she comes into the room and he's talking about oh I I think the Magisterium is the greatest play you know organization that ever existed and I'll tell you whatever you want and as he does it he does this little gesture with his hands where he's like he claps and shows her his, his palms I'm like he's literally doing jazz hands, guy's <laughs> <laughs> literally doing jazz hands and I'm just like I can't imagine again I, I he's meant to be in my head he's a Han Solo type this guy yeah and he just doesn't. Yeah, he just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't quite sit right. Do you know what I mean?
1: <sighs> yeah, I mean, he
0: doesn't, doesn't like when he's when he's trying to be hard and trying to sort of you know tell you know be. But you know, in the second episode, when he you know comes across um Grumman, he's sort of, he's trying to be all hard edge, and he's like, nah.
1: <laughs> I think that kind of serves it because I always saw Lee as like this big, really sort of. Like larger than life. I don't, I never really saw him as like a Han solo character. I kind of saw him as a, um, oh God, I'm just trying to think of a better example. The only thing that's coming to mind right now is the guys from P.T.'s Circus, P.T. McFree's Circus in A Bug's Life. Where they're all pretending to be warriors, and they're all like, "Ah, we're big and tough and strong, and we really know what we're doing, and we're really brave warriors." And then it comes down to it, and they're like, "Oh fuck, actually, we're um."
0: Well, yeah, you no, know, but, to, he's but not... like
1: he, like Lee, always came across to me as like this character that was like full of bravado, and was not necessarily the um, uh, as. Competent as he would make himself out to be.
0: Yeah, but like that—that what you're describing there. Like when
1: he pulls his gun, he's not Mm. really like like. This is how I got it from the book. Mm. In my opinion, it was like there was always like this hubris to him that he was like cocky and like swagging around and like the actual competence and like real. I don't know. It all felt like a big front, and that he earned his sort of stuff when. Like that's how him and Yorick became friends was because like he'd showed demonstrated his bravery on like an integrity level and that's how they've become so well bonded and that he's gone around and gotten to know these people over time and it's like a quiet confidence in himself but at the same time like yeah I, don't I, know, see, I, I, can't, I can't really describe it like for me because I I didn't know. When I was reading the book, I always came, he always came across as like a character that was like on the fringe of all of this, but then sort of earned himself a little bit more. He was a little bit more of like a tourist and like a like a rich kid with all the cool tools and all the cool toys, but that gradually earned his sort of way through in the end. You know, and they're yeah. like, Oh, there's something about this kid, you know? And then and that kind of, for me, when I was going through, I always saw him as like, you know, he's got the best, he's got the most expensive car, and he's got the most expensive clothes, and you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know why they're the best. He just knows that they are, you know. And he's got a cool gun which he knows how to fire because he hasn't, had, he hasn't had to work for it. And He's like a trust fund kid that sort of comes into it, into his own, and sort of yeah. earns his way up. That's how I kind of saw him. And See, I, I, I always thought it was more,
0: more genuine than that. I always thought, and the part of it, I guess, is that I always pictured him as being an older character. So I always thought that maybe, like you say, maybe he has lost He's mellowed in his old age kind of thing. And that's the impression you get with him and Lyra is that this girl comes along and it's sort of, if 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 he, she'd met him 20 years ago, he wouldn't have given a shit. But now he's getting, that, you know, he's been around the block a little bit and he and it he, sort of melts his heart a little bit. That's, that's sort of the impression I got. Um, uh, and again, you you get this whole like you said, all that stuff you said, you know, saying about you know he's earned this reputation, or he's or he, he's got that bravado that that usually speaks to some sort of past that character has, and they you know, yeah. or they're they're trading off their reputation because again, he's meant to be well known, he's meant to be a you know Lee Scoresby, you know, the famous aeronaut, um, and so there must be some truth to that, and whether that is an inflated ego thing that comes. That you know, there's no substance behind it, is one mm. thing, but I just feel like that that speaks to again, he has to be a bit older, he needs to be a bit like 10, ten years older than lin Manuel mm. if that's going to be it's the it. case. But
1: like, I don't know, yeah, I think I don't know, like it is a really interesting, one because yeah. yeah, like as much as like I'm you know, my love for lin Manuel Miranda's fairly well versed anyway, but. I didn't find out until my girlfriend was reading the books and she was like, Oh, you know, who's been cast as Lee. And I was like, no, because there's like two really important characters to me. It's Yorick and Lee, are like my two favorite characters in the books. Mm. Um, and I was like, Oh God, who? And then she was like, or Miranda. And I was like, that's a bad idea. Yeah. And then I saw him, and I was like, "Actually, you know what? Yeah, I think he's got it."
0: Yeah, that's you know, the thing. I think. I like, it's 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 difficult because I'm not saying I don't think in any way he's a bad actor, and mm. he does a great job in this scene where he's giving you know, giving this speech. But again, it's just like I don't buy. Again, so like, yeah, the way the way you talk about him being you know a trust fund kid and having this swagger and all the rest of it, that doesn't square with the story that he tells Miss Coulter in this one about his dad abusing him. And yeah. having, you know, he doesn't doesn't seem like he's been through some shit. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And that, I feel like that's what's missing. He needs like some like some scars, whether that's in you know, mental scar or wherever it happens to be. Um, yeah.
1: and they, they yeah, I think that. he's got that. Like I yeah. think he's got that, but it's kind of like my headcanon is like Lee Scoresby like he, and he he had like either he had like this father that was like absent but would just give him money. And then, if he was like, if he ever like wanted attention, it was in the form of a beating.
0: Yeah, but like, you know, I feel like, they... it was
1: like because his dad didn't know how to care, so he was like constantly trying to like live up to like this expectation that his dad had of him. And then, because a lot after his dad died, he was looking for that validation from elsewhere, mm. and that's where he was like the like say like the cocky like trust fund kid leading up to um, like before the events of his dark materials, like yeah the story of the North where like you learn about how he and Yorick met and their shared past and like the debts that they owe one another and stuff like that. Like,
0: yeah, I know what you mean. I was just like, Yeah, I feel like they they should have done a better job. And that's the other thing that I feel like it sort of falls flat a little bit, or they just didn't spend enough time on it in season one, is his sort of Mm. devotion to Lyra. Yeah. And he talks a lot in these couple of episodes about, she's the best person I ever knew. My life isn't worth one tenth of hers. She's the bravest best person. I'm like, you've you've inferred a lot of this from a very short amount of time you spent with this girl. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now, that's now, one thing I you're... will absolutely agree on because his his devotion to her is like immediate, even in the book. Yeah, like um, they they say something along the lines of like like he immediately fell in love with her, sort of thing.
0: And again, and like it's not something... it's not
1: like a lustful love. It's no. just like he immediately. Like they all do pretty much. Like the, yeah. the person that t- takes the time to warm is obviously Yorick because of that. But then he she earns that for him. Mm. Um,
0: but I feel like you could have, like, that's the thing, they've put this backstory in here now about his, his, his having an abusive father. And that does tie into a lot of the stuff that's going on in the story, what, you know, the wider story. A lot of it is about, you know, the kid's relationship with their father specifically. You know, Will's yeah. relationship with his father, Lyra's relationship with her father. And it's like, right, well, th- that actually goes some way to inform why Lee is doing what he's doing. And he pulls that out when he's talking about Asriel in the next episode. Go you know, right. Well, you had a crap father, and that's part of the reason why. But again, they should have layered that in earlier on. Mm-hmm. If, they, if it had been a case of like he sees in her, like maybe you know, for we you know the reason he attaches himself to her is because I had a little sister once and it reminds me of yeah. her, or something like that, or you know, and or I see that Azriel treats her the same way that my father used to treat me, and that's why I can't. And yeah, you know, again, you could inform that, you could have it all dovetail into one another, but they haven't done yeah. it. I mean, maybe they will, maybe they will at some point. They may um, do, but,
1: but just, they... I don't think they will because we're now at the, um, we've jumped actually really quite far ahead. Yeah. Uh, with Lee's story to the yeah. point that I don't know how much of, yeah, there's a lot that's happened.
0: Yeah. And, uh, um, and, they, and uh, they are a continuing lot of...
1: to remix. Which I think is working.
0: Yeah, for the most part. I think the, the one remix, and we did talk about this last episode, that it doesn't quite, or it's not that it doesn't work, it just works in a different way, is the whole um, Gerardi, uh, Grumman, John Parry paradox. Um, because we all know who that is. like we, yeah. And we have done for a long time. In the book, we don't know that in the book there's a lot of mystery surrounding it and who this person is and you
1: know he's, and he's introduced and, before he's told
0: yeah because he's just um, has a name on a page and the idea of that you know these characters all being the same person doesn't occur to us until it's revealed later on whereas they've been very clear about by by making this character this actor even before like they've actually been on screen i'm talking about um, Andrew Scott even before yeah. he's actually had a scene where he was very early in the series established as being this particular character being john parry will's missing father and then when he does yeah. turn up and then it then we start, we'll spend a half a season searching for a man called standard last and then when we do get there he gives himself another name and it's just like...
1: yeah yeah and it's there's a lot going on there there's a lot going on
0: yeah there is a lot going on um yeah, we'll get more into him, I guess, in the in the second episode. But before we do, just sort of wrapping up anything that we've got on that first episode, um, what else happens? So, yeah, basically the, the main plot of that um, episode three is, uh, yeah, uh, Lyra goes to Oxford, she gets chased up by the police guy, and they have this cool um, uh, chase sequence where Pan sort of acts as her eyes in the sky. <laughs> yes. Um, which is, that's a really cool idea. Again, using the, the idea of a demon really effectively. Um, but then you end up with this horrible scene with her and Borea where he just says, oh, when did you get in my car? Yeah. And there's a massive advert for um, Tesla.
1: strange danger.
0: Yeah. And and then like he's giving her a lift and it gets really, really tense. Um, but the culmination of all that and the upshot of it is that he takes the alethiometer. Yeah. Um, and that's like a massive, massive tragedy, obviously.
1: <clears throat> and it's... I don't, uh, yeah, it was in the book I was like, Oh fuck, like now what's gonna happen, like but in this again, saying about like, the way that Daphne Keane delivers things so well she absolutely smashes it on this bit. Oh yeah. Like because no, you can, like, it she's feels like yeah, she it feels devastating. heartbroken. Like she loves the limb.
0: Yeah. Um and again, like and it's the fact that the way that like Pam puts it to her is like will was counting on us to use that to find his dad and that's what will's that's the thing that will's on at the moment yeah and that's how we left it off in the last episode it's like she explained to him what the eletheometer was and explained to him that she tell it tells me your dad's alive and then meanwhile he wakes up in the other world and says look elira we have to ask the eletheometer something i've got an idea about where i can find my dad and she's just gone yeah he gets the note goes and finds her and like specifically i I need to we need to do something with the lithiometer. she goes i've lost it But the main thing for her, the most the tragedy and the reason she feels the way she does is because she's letting Will down. And that's what really gets to her. Um, And again, that just speaks to Lyra's character about, you know, it's not even about herself. She's thinking about someone else who she made a promise to. And she's letting someone down. Um, And that is just, yeah, Lyra all over. Everything she does is because of someone else. Um, It's because of Roger. Or it's because of Will. Yeah. Um, the whole quest that she's on is for Roger, and she even comes clean to Will about that. In that, that really nice scene they have in the cinema,
1: and that she was dragged into it because of trying to protect Asriel.
0: Yeah, and she says, "Look, I, it, yeah, exactly, yeah." The whole the, her quest in season one was to give Asriel the uh, alchemyometer because she thought he needed it. Mm. That was it. It wasn't. It was. There was no selfishness in in Lyra. She's always doing something for someone else
1: yeah um and the way that she, and again like going even right further like chapter 1 of the book is her hiding in hiding in a cupboard because she that's what she does she sneaks around um co- the college and she overhears a poisoning plot about asriel and then she goes and finds him and tells him and then he hides her again so she can and so it goes all the way back. And like, yeah, like, I hadn't picked that up until you'd said about it. Like how much more of it is. It's because of Will.
0: She's yeah. like, oh my God, we well, said we were going to help Will. And then now, now I can't because I've lost the Aletheon to it. Oh God, yeah. what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And yeah, and then she has that. Again, it, there's more and more development between those two because she has that moment in the cinema where she tells him about Roger and says, he was my friend. I think about him every day and he's dead because of me. Yeah, And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And like, that's why I was going to see Mary about dust because I need to find out because of Roger because otherwise he died for nothing. It's all because of someone else. It's all because of yeah. my commitment. And now I'm talking about a commitment to a dead boy at this point. Like, yeah. he's not, like someone who's who's gone. Um, So it's not like he's ever even going to know that I'm doing this, but I am doing it. I'm doing it for him because of her guilt that she feels around it. Fuck, this show's great.
1: Yeah also <laughs> can we can we um can I admit to something here yeah so in this episode specifically there's something that just didn't occur to me of the two times that I've read the books yeah and the, the first time watching the season season 1 and watching the film is that Azriel's surname is, is blackwater
0: yeah, yeah there's a good point. Um, so yeah, because you always assume like, that because they call okay. him Lord Asriel, and you think yeah, that must be his surname. That surname. He's, he's Lord <laughs> Dave Asriel.
1: Yeah, Lord. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like he's John Asriel. Uh, <laughs> like, and then yeah, literally up until this thing, and I never felt like such an idiot, and I was just like. Oh, fuck. Of course it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, was it? Yeah. In relation to um, Asriel Blackwell. And then suddenly that, yeah. Asriel Blackwell. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. just never clicked in my head of all the yeah. times it's happened. But yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah B is fucking brilliant.
0: Yeah, and then sort of just concluding that um, that first episode then, we're basically um, left with Lyra and Will go to Boreal's house that he has in, um, mm. in, in Will's Oxford um, and attempt to try and get the lithiometer back. And they all kind of show their, show their hands. Um, Boreal you know, reveals that he is someone from Lyra's world. Um, and she goes, oh, yeah, you were in London with um, Mrs. Coulter. Um, he says, I know who you are, I know who you are, I have the alethiometer, I know what it is, you're going to go and get this knife for me, that he's been obsessed with for a yeah. while now, and they've hinted at since season one. There is a knife in a tower guided by angels, was what he was told by the Um yeah. and the boy will lead you to it. And so now he's going, right, you bring me the knife and I'll give you the alethiometer, and that's the sort of cliffhanger we're left on at the end of that episode.
1: Yeah. Um, And then, obviously, we jump into this episode.
0: Yeah, jumping into episode four, this is literally the whole episode is basically about the subtle knife. um, And it gets approached from different angles. Um, So you get Grumman's point of view on it um, as he's telling Lee, because Lee finally finds Grumman. But whilst that's happening, we're also getting Will and Lyra going in and trying to get hold of this knife.
1: Um,
0: But the whole episode starts with this amazing like five-minute sequence where they just give us this big you know, exposition dump about the history of the subtle knife and what it is. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's the it's the first, it's one of the biggest sort of visual um backstory pieces we've ever had really um in the show. Most of the time we don't know it unless Lyra knows it is the general rule. Mm. Um but they've sort of broken that for this. But it's I don't care. It's fucking
1: brilliant. Oh, excuse me. Uh yeah, no, it's it's fucking brilliant. Like I can't follow it in the way that it sort of layers it in and starts to explain it really really well yeah points out kind of what we're going with it and then obviously we get a little bit further on when we meet Giacomo he explains a little bit more um
0: Um, but but we just yeah we get this whole story we find out more about what happened to the city of Chisgatsey and the fact these spectres came and you get sort of a visual representation of that but you also yeah you find out what the knife is and why it exists and they sort of talk about it as being there was a group of philosophers who wanted to see if they could um how'd they put it um they're curious about the bond between the smallest of atoms and they yeah. created the knife to divide that and I just I love and this is something that comes up a lot in this episode um but the the blend between the fantastic you know the the fantasy and like science that yeah. ha- that exists in this book like to me it's like the subtle knife is a fantasy world version of a large hadron collider, almost. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean it's doing the well, same yeah. job? It's splitting the atom. It's the, and by doing that, it's opening a portal to a different world. But the thing what she's talking about is dividing particles and atoms, which are scientific concepts. And and yeah. there is there is a you know there are scientists in this world who are attempting to do the same thing. In the world of Chitosegatsu, they're philosophers, and they created a knife in our world they're scientists and they created a large hadron collider but they're both doing the same thing
1: exactly yeah and that's, I that's what i love, I love, that's what I love <laughs> about this is that it's how it balances like you say it balances the fantastic with the factual when it, it balances off and you go right it's taking liberties with some parts in this way but at the same time it kind of explains it in a way that it sort of not i don't want to say tolerable but it's it's um oh, i can't really, i can't think of the word now but okay it yeah it's like, probably
0: it's, it's easy it's easy to understand yeah it's, like it's
1: conceivable all... in a way and you're like right well you know i can go with that that yeah. that works well enough you know yeah. and that that sounds good to me like we know that when she's talking about like dark matter and what this is, and she's like, "Oh, is this this?" And yeah she's like, "Oh, is it oh, dark?" Oh, that
0: whole conversation at the end we need to save because that is amazing. That whole sequence that she yeah. has. um There's a sequence with uh, Mary in this episode, but again, with what we're starting to see, and it, and it gets sort of done across a few different characters in this episode. Is this idea of there are certain people out there and certain sort of travellers who who can who are starting to understand this from multiple angles. Yeah. So we've got. Um, I don't know what to call him. Grooman, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, John Perry, Will's dad. Whatever. We got him who said, right. I became I became a scientist. I became a shaman. I became all these different things. We know that he spent time at a um, observatory. We know that he was an explorer in our world, and so like he understands that. But then he can also do things like summon Lee using his mum's r- ring, and he yeah. can make the weather do what he wants it to do because it's kind of it's magic. But he also understands science, and he, like he understands it from multiple angles. It's not just the religious element of it. Like he's not like like the guy in the magisterium who uses the alethiometer, for instance. He has one very narrow view of the whole thing, whereas yeah. Grooman has a much broader understanding of it. And then that get, then gets extended to Boreal as well, because in this episode we get Boreal goes to Mary and her colleague, and is talking about the the machine they have there the the computer asking it yeah. questions and seeing whether dust is conscious and it's like okay this is a man who's obviously a deeply religious um guy who's part of the magisterium but now he's in this other world and he's looking at it from a scientific point of view
1: yeah and i think it's uh, well the way that i sort of understood with a lot of the magisterium is that um there are people there's like this cabal of people within the magisterium itself who are There are the zealots, obviously, but then there are also those that are aware of the capacity that or the power that the magisterium has, and that to be able to do what they need to do, they need to be within that sort of shady group. Yeah, so you get people like Coulter, for example, who is very much aware. That she is she's just in this for the power play. She's just in this because she knows if she's in it and she's manipulating people, she's very much in control. And there's no easier way to be in control than um, if you're like manipulating the person at the top. Yeah. You know, and that's what she's doing now. So there's like the um oh I've forgotten what is the deacon? The the deacon.
0: So what, you mean the the guy at the top of the the cardinal?
1: Yeah, I said the Cardinal, sorry. Sorry, um,
0: yeah. Lyra's dad, but,
1: yeah. but not actually yeah. Lyra's dad. Yeah,
0: Daphne's dad. <laughs> yeah, Lyra's dad's um, too expensive because he's James McAvoy. So yeah, we have. Yeah, we can we can get your real dad, but we can't get your fake dad because he's too expensive.
1: Yeah, your your real dad's fine because he was he was coming to set anyway.
0: Yeah, he, he was he was, he was dropping you off. Um, yeah, so we put we we gave him some um, wardrobe and makeup, um, and now he's got yeah. a part. So. you
1: You know, it works all round. Yeah, in the he's he picked you up in the BBC mandated Tesla.
0: Apparently, yeah, I don't know what that's all about.
1: No, it's just in the book. It's a really expensive Jag.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Or
1: a Jag or a Rolls Royce, but um, yeah, it's just a very expensive car. And because it's the Model X, it's even more so. And you go, Mm. oh, he's got lots of money. Yeah.
0: Um so yeah, this I mean this episode sort of getting back to the um the plot really, um, is all just about Will and I are trying to get into this tower um and discover the yeah. knife. Um, and that's intercut with Lee meeting Gruman. Um but we get this yeah, these great sequences of the guys like sort of just exploring and figuring out how they're gonna get into the tower. And whilst that's happening, we've got Grumman, and like we get probably the most succinct and like clear understanding of what's at stake and what's going on um, from him, where he talks about the two sides that are lining up to battle. Um, those who want yeah. to like suppress knowledge um, and those who want us to be free and inquiring minds and all this kind of stuff. And we start, you know, things are starting to come into focus now about what the end game of this whole thing is. Um, and even, you know, in the previous episode, they talk about uh, free will is what's at stake. And that's what Lyra can return to. Not, that, And that's what, um, I think someone says it is not our world, but the world beyond ours. She can give us our free will back. And then meanwhile, you've got this, yeah, Andrew Scott's character talking about, yeah, you know, we want people to be inquiring minds and there'll be those who try and stop us. Mm. Um, it's like, Oh, okay. We're starting to see what's going on here now. It's all starting. The, the bigger picture is starting to come into focus.
1: sorry i yawned (laughs) i was listening but yeah yeah. and it is it's i think it was kind of needed at this point because there are points where yeah with this that we do get sort of caught up with like how connected we are to the characters yeah that we might actually forget that there is quite a large plot going on and the big stakes of everything that isn't just Oh, this person wants a pocket watch and this person wants a knife.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it particularly in this instance where like that is the the A plot of this of this particular episode is just yeah, they have a fetch quest. They have to go and get a thing from a place so they can get another thing. Um but then yeah. you know, whilst that's happening, you get this guy laying it all out. Um and he also again happens to be the thing they're getting, and everything's about that. So he explains from his point of view what it is. Um, you know, it's something that can cut between worlds, which we see demonstrated. But he also drops other things. You know, it's something that can cut through matter. It can kill immortals, which is like a massively important thing. Um, and it, again, Grooman then goes on to say that he wants to get it to Azrael, and that's his endgame. Or that, you know, as we understand it, is that he wants Azrael to have this knife. And it's like, doesn't that? And then like, yeah, Lee sort of goes, oh, I don't, I don't really like Azrael. It's like whether you like him or not is irrelevant. Like, if you if there's any chance of the good side i.e. the people the inquiring minds and all that if you want them to win Azriel needs the knife yeah and it's like okay um but then the the deal they come to is a bit odd to me i don't quite understand it because basically uh, they they sort of they go back and forth at one point lee's about to walk away um, and he makes this this comment about imagine leaving your kid like Asriel did because I'm not I don't I'm not helping him. Yeah. And then and sort of, did. And then yeah, and then uh, we get a bit more of a you know um, performance from Scott talking about how he left his boy. Um, but then he's able to twist that around and say, Look, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I've tried everything to get back to him. I've tried being a shaman, I've tried being a scientist, I've tried all this stuff, I can't do it. So all I can do now is try and make the world that he grows up in a better place. That's my one thing. Yeah. That's my legacy that I can give back to my boy. And he's like, okay, fine. You're right. I'll help you. And by helping you, I mean, get the knife to Azriel, Okay. Yeah. But can you, and then, but Lee's like, can you promise me that Lyra will be under the protection of the knife? If you can make me that, if you can swear to me that that's going to happen, then I'll help you. Yeah. And he goes, okay, yeah, I swear. But then he goes, but I have no idea who the bearer of the knife is. And I can't tell you as to what their character is. So I'm like, right. Well, how can you make a promise about her being under the protection of the knife if he doesn't know who has the knife and what they want to do? Hmm. Like, and I'm um, no, so he, no, he like he lays that out for Lee and says, look, there's no way of I, me knowing that. And Lee just goes, okay, fair enough. I'll take your
1: word for Good it. Enough. Good, Good enough. Good enough <laughs> for
0: me. Like what? Like for all we know, he could get there, and then Boreal's got the knife, and he's like, well, you promised me the, the, the Lyra will be under the protection. Like, yeah, but this guy's got it. What do you want me to do? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't quite add up, yeah. but it's a bit of a, no. that's a, bit of a weird plot control. It's a bit of a
1: lumpy, isn't it? But there you go.
0: I mean, like I say, we love this show. It's not perfect.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's a, I think maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't really pick up on that, to be honest. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I didn't, I didn't get that, that up some, on a...
0: yeah, I, I did a second rewatch.
1: Uh, uh, okay, today. yeah, I've only seen this episode once.
0: Yeah, and it was things like that sort of stood out to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it's the fact that they even hung a lampshade on it. It's, if he hadn't mentioned the fact that he'd, you know, if he just said, yes, I promise. And they, that was the end of it. then that's fine. It's the yeah. fact that he went, look, I don't know who's going to have it. I can't speak to their character. Which obviously is like a, a hint because we know having watched the rest of the episode, that Will is now the new bearer of the subtle knife. Yeah. But then he go. but if you think about that, if you, you know, take that at face value and you think, yeah, he doesn't know that it could be anybody. Mm. it could be someone who wants to kill Lyra but pfft. anyway
1: <laughs> alright yeah uh, um, sure fine yeah. whatever you say mate what you what say, me? Right. What was that you can summon the wind Cracker. should we get on your balloon then
0: you can summon the wind
1: <laughs> that, that's, that's
0: very useful um, yeah alright come on then
1: it's pretty handy because yeah. you know it could have only been yeah. less handy if I wanted to go away from the wind
0: exactly um but yeah i mean that's what we get from him um and then yeah we, it's left with they get that deal in place and then they head off um to parts unknown assuming uh, presumably they're going to head out to wherever the knife is uh, which is obviously at the moment where yeah. uh, will and lyra are um and will and lyra yeah they go through the trial um of the knife they manage to first of all they have to find their way into the tower that's the first challenge yeah um I love that, how how that sort of ties up with the whole, you know, having inquiring minds and exploring. Yeah. That's what's at stake, and that's what those two are doing, and without that sort of inquiring minds of a child, they maybe never would have found their way into that place.
1: Yeah, and that's, again, it serves the sort of, um, because principally, and, and we often forget that in his dark materials everything is centered around a prophecy yeah but it's a prophecy that every all the people that all, all the players in this sort of big game are completely and wholly bought into
0: yeah and but they've all got their own interpretations of it and they all take what they yeah. want out of it which is what's interesting it's not as it's yeah. not a cut and dried the chosen one will save us all you know it, no it's more complicated than that because everything yeah. in his dark materials is more complicated than that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and then when you get to something like this and you're like oh well obviously they found it and like there are there are things that happen when you like um um just trying to think for example so we're like um there are stakes like within a lot of Things that we watch, and like you don't know if some people are going to make it, and you don't know if others are going to. And like, whilst, yeah, it's presumed almost completely with this dark material, well, with a Lyra, oh actually, are they because of what we've seen happen to other characters so far, like especially with what's happened to Roger? Hmm. And then, you know, as you go through, you start to realize that things can come off the board. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like, even as you get further into the books and like past where we are now like there are things that happen that are a lot more um, powerful and permanent than you might be led to believe they yeah, are I mean, like, like at this stage
0: prime like example turn
1: around it but
0: yeah well i mean prime example that we can talk about something that happens in this episode is uh will loses two fingers yes and that's permanent <laughs> like that's a lasting impact like he is now Physically handicapped, um, as a result of what's happened, um, and as a result of who he is and the, the journey that he's on, and that's not going to change, that's, that's who he is. Yeah, he's this, and and, it, and I think it, it was done really well. So, we, we basically we get this, um, they, they find their way into the tower, we get to the top of the town, we meet, um, is it Giovanni, uh, Giacomo, Giacomo, yeah, so who is the um previous bearer of the knife. Um, but, as he 's explaining himself to them that this other guy turns up this young kid who 's got the knife, and it means will has to fight him for it. but during this fight, um, will loses two of his fingers, he gets them cut off by the knife, um, yeah. which we then find out is kind of like a mark of the bearer because it 's the same thing that, that, that um, Giacomo had yeah um, but yeah I mean that 's a great fight sequence. There is a dodgy bit of CGI as they jump out, as they go through the window.
1: Um, yeah. doesn't quite look right, does it? Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, no. But yeah. given that, uh, like you were saying, like there's then, so like, much of that. that but is... to me,
0: like they kind of redeem themselves straight away with the CGI by going right. We're not going to spend too much money on this bit, but when we use the subtle knife, it's going to look fucking amazing. Because <laughs> yeah. it does. It's unreal. Like the way they realise the knife itself, um, even the, the the design of it. Like, they've got this like shimmery. I don't know how, what would you call it. Like, you know a lot about metalwork.
1: Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's got like a Damascus but like uh effect to it, so it looks like a part like half of the blade has got like a folded steel look, mm. but at the same time, like and then half of the blade's a little bit more dull, but it's got this sort of like ori, uh, oil slick effect on it, yeah. So it does look like it is sort of phasing in and out of sort of what is real and what is. Sort of fantastic,
0: yeah, because they've got like this
1: rainbow shimmer across something that you would look at normally and just be like, Hey, that's just a knife, and then you're like, This one's not,
0: yeah, and they explain that really well. Again, we get a lot of exposition from the um Giacomo character once, once Will has the knife, he really they have a couple of, of scenes where he basically Jonathan gives Price, him... by the way, that's no, not, it's Terrence Stamp,
1: Terrence Stamp, sorry, This
0: um, Supreme Chance of Lorem.
1: I always get the two of them confused.
0: He'll always be known for that, poor bloke. Um, yeah, so that we then get like him teaching Will how to use the knife and what the important things are. It's like always make sure you close a portal after you. This is how you open one. This is how you close one. Um, but that, yeah, that visual of the, when they open up the portal and he goes, "Well, it looks like there are strings like hanging in the air." He goes, "Yeah, each one of them is a parallel that world
1: that you could cut into." He's yeah. like, "Fuck."
0: like and again that
1: then it's is the fact that like he has to um again getting into like book territory yeah mm. so, like, like part of being the bearer of the knife is locating those strings
0: yeah
1: is being able to sort of know that there's like there is a doorway around mm. but one that whilst you might be looking at it like head on the bearer will know no yeah. one else will but the bearer will
0: yeah absolutely and that, and this is like this episode is where that sort of the term for will comes because we know that lyra is you know the child of destiny and has all these prophecies around her but now we realize that will is equally as important um mm-hmm. and that's like that's really hammered home in this episode and you realize no you are the bearer of the knife and how important that mantle is is hammered home not only in the main storyline with will but also with you know everything his father's talking about talking about I must yeah. find the bearer I must do this the bearer is the you know and how important that person is is like Lyra almost takes a back seat in this episode for Will. Um yeah and it's brilliant and and there are sections of
1: the book where she does.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah the, like the, the, the whole open, of the book the whole opening of the subtle knife doesn't have her in it. I mean we get all that stuff that we got in season one for Will comes in the yeah. opening couple of chapters of subtle knife and we're like, mm-hmm. where the hell's Lyra? What's this going to do Um, and then obviously we find out. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I Amir mean, Wilson's doing an amazing job. I think he's great in this episode.
1: Yeah. Um, he's brilliant.
0: And you sort of, again, he gets all this whole thing of like, he's in the clearly in a hell of a lot of pain having just lost two fingers. And he's just always constantly holding back. He wants to cry or he wants to just let out a, but he's trying not to and he get he gets that that's a really hard thing to act. But he does it really well. Like you just mm-hmm. look at him and you can see him straining and like and like sweating and it looks like he's in real serious amount of pain, but he's trying not to show it. Um, which is quite a skill in being someone so young to sort of pull that off. Oh god,
1: yeah. Yeah, this guy's amazing. Like yeah. undoubtedly. A ludicrously talented guy, as is Daphne Keane as well. Yeah, right?
0: and they're, they're brilliant together. And I think that they are, that's what I noticed in this episode as well, there are a couple of moments, they they hang a lampshade on one in particular, where they are sort of hinting at this um, intimacy between the two of them, mm. I'll say. Um, and it's it's when Pan reaches out and touches Will. Yeah. And that she makes a big deal out of it, or not, but it makes a big deal out of it. But like, it's noted. It's a point of con- It's a point yeah. of conversation. She goes, and he goes, "Oh, sorry, did I do something wrong?" She goes, "No, you just in my world, you don't, you don't do that." And then Pam's like, "No, it's all right, Will. I wanted to." And you, then you have to sort of again remind yourself about that whole demon thing yeah. of, well, the demon is someone else. Is part of Lyra.
1: Yeah, it's essentially their soul on the
0: yeah. outside. Yeah, so as yeah, is that, and that's part of the reason why you don't touch it. You don't touch another person's soul. But what if your soul wants to touch someone else? It's just like there are a lot of implications to that.
1: Yeah,
0: there, there. That's a, such an intimate thing, and then that's part again part of the reason why you don't touch someone's demon. It's an intimate, personal thing. But the demon wanted to.
1: What yeah. the hell does that mean? <laughs> and it's um, yeah, it's so good. And not again, in the and there's book, another. It leads a little bit more. It's like a, I say, a little bit more. It's a lot more sort of straightforward in the yeah. books. And they're like, and this happens. Well, yeah, that's partly the, because they feel this way. Yeah, well, that's and part they, of There the, is um... like a lot of subtext in there for it, but mm. it's done really, like you say, the way that it's sort of technically done. In that's
0: this. the thing that that's obviously the challenge in adapting any book is that for any of them, they've got the internal monologue of what Lyra is thinking and what Will's thinking. And you can get, you can get that. You can't do that in live action unless you were wanting to give them both voiceovers. Um, so instead they're finding these ways of doing it, which is brilliant. And again, they, they managed to get it in really, really subtly. And again, I only noticed this watching it the second time, but there's this really um, beautiful scene towards the end of the episode where uh, Will's having a bath and Lyra comes in walking backwards yeah. Which is this? Yeah. Which is a um, something that happened in season one. Roger did the same thing with her when she was having a bath. Up in, yeah. um, and it's just, it just it makes you sad because you remember that bit and you remember that she's doing it because Roger did it. Um, yeah. But what I noticed watching it again is that Pan. She goes, "I'm walking backwards. I'm not looking, but Pan does like as he's backing himself up, looks over his shoulder and gives it, sort of sneaks a peek. Yeah, and it's like okay." This is interesting. Again, that that's like your true feelings. That's that's your soul, and you can't yeah. hide your soul and what your soul wants. It's like
1: that's the thing. Like the demons can't really lie.
0: No, they they are the most pure. You know, distillation of everything you're thinking and feeling in yeah. animal form. Um, yeah, and it's just yeah, brilliant.
1: So good. It's yeah, and then. Yeah. I think that, yeah. The only thing. So that's, one of the bits that I well, one of the bits that I struggle with a bit in the book is that there's this. Um, it does drag on a bit after this. Yeah. Because there's a bit where then they're like, oh, well, and then this happens, and then it's a lot of like jumping around, going from here there, and doing this and doing that, and this person talks to this person, this person talks to this person. The bit I r- vividly remember every time that I've sort of gone through on this the in the book the audio book um is that this bit does drag for a while yeah and it just it always sort of it's like the will's finger section because i'm just like okay like i get it yeah like Um, but i don't and that's what i'm interested to see where they go with this because obviously they've moved a lot of like the lee stuff is now moved a lot more forward
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously like
1: stuff was in there. That's like now Lee's walking across here and now Lee's in a prison cell and now Lee's doing this. So that's all been brought forward. But then there's another big thing that's coming. There's well, there's a lot of big things that are coming up. Yeah. But there are some really, really big things coming up quite soon. But then there is like a big chunk of the book where it's like not a lot happens. So hopefully they don't do that.
0: Yeah, um I think yeah, if you look at I I guess what they're doing quite cleverly is is weaving all the different storylines um together. Um so like whilst uh Will and Lyra might be a little bit quiet for a bit, we'll get some big stuff going on with the, you know, again they're doing a really good job of keeping Mary involved. Um and we'll talk about her scene in a minute, because that's massive. But that's exactly the kind of thing like what the implications of that are is something that could, you know, be the focus of another episode whilst Will and Naira are kind of sort of splitting their wheels a little bit, waiting for people to get there. Um, Because we now know that, again, the other sort of cliffhanger we're left with at the end of this episode is the witches. Uh, The witches make their way through the portal that Asriel um, brought up. Um, And the witches, witches weird. I think uh, the witches need to meet up with some other people because the one thing that I will say about the witches is that they need someone to balance them because when it's just witches talking to witches, it's all very, very hammy. Yeah, and it's all a bit much,
1: (laughs) and it's it's all very separate.
0: Yeah, and it just they need someone.
1: They're leading into like this great war because we've got, um, you know, we've got the Catholic Nazis that are going up against the Wiccan scientists, you know. But at the same time, like, make that bridge.
0: Yeah, so that's why. And again,
1: like, this is another thing that's like very separate in the book and you're like okay like come on like let's pull this in a little bit quicker yeah Um, and then let's have these people talk to these people yeah and then we've got a succinct story rather than this really disparate connection of one thing happening in the left one thing happening on the right
0: yeah, and they just, you know, they just they don't seem to fit as well as everything else. And just they they talk about that the the magisterium will pay for what they have done. Yes, sister, they will do that. And it's all a lot of grandstanding and like mm-hmm. big like do you know what I mean? Like they just need someone to sort of be there in the room with them to sort of get, ground it a little bit. Yeah. Um and I think so hopefully they'll meet up with some of the more normal characters, I shall say. Um, more regular characters who sort of call them on their on their bullshit a little bit yeah um, so lyra or someone like that you can just sort of go what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> so yeah calm down a little
1: bit and just yeah um and
0: because it could not well, everything could be about a destiny and like you know I mean? just like relax like calm down yeah exactly um when, you, when all you talk about is prophecies and destiny and stuff it gets a bit tiresome after a while um, so yes yeah. yeah um but yeah, then we 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 do get again. The one thing I'll say about the witches in this season is they have given us a couple of great action sequences,
1: Um and we do get that at the end of yeah, this episode. That's yeah, like seeing that action sequence at the end is all well and good, but it's not connected to anything right now.
0: Not yet. No, it w- but it will be the way. It le- le- so it just le- felt it like a
1: car chase for no reason. You're just yeah. Like, oh, that was cool, but. All right. well, no, I
0: suppose that they set it up as being the, the reason for it is that we know that the Magisterium is guarding the portal. We know they found out in the last episode that Lyra went through the portal. Therefore, that's where we need to go. Mm. Um, and then we then see yeah, that they go. Well, we can't we can't just walk through there. The Magisterium are guarding it, which makes perfect sense. Of course, they're guarding it. And so it does. Yeah, I think it makes sense logically um, for them to there uh, to be a little action sequence in there. They don't overdo it. But it adds a bit of extra spice to the, to the whole thing. Um, but to me, the much more interesting sort of cliffhanger and almost the thing they should have ended the episode on is that scene with Mary. Yeah. Because holy shit. <laughs>
1: oh, They're, Mary Malone.
0: Mary Malone. She's been, again, so we've seen throughout these couple of episodes, even though separate from Lyra, Mary's like conducting her own experiments and trying to get her machine which is measuring dark matter which as we find out is also the same as dust um and trying to get it to talk to her she's trying to get like answers to questions out of it yeah um and she's struggling and what we again this I, what i love is how everything ties together in this show because we we've what she's searching for is this sort of um this state of mind you can get yourself into which is just completely calm and you know um what, what they call it like
1: it's like a meditative state it's it's referred to like an empty mindedness but pure focus
0: yeah but then they also like when they're when the guy's teaching Will how to use the knife you have to get yourself in the same mindset when Lyra's using the alethiometer you have to get yourself in the same mindset so there's all these things that tie together um but it's her she's sat you know looking at a computer with microbes attached to her brain it's not a magical knife do you know what I mean But, but you have to like get your mind in the same place um and the you know she tries a different time a couple of different times and struggles and then by the end of this second episode you know episode four she gets there and this thing starts talking to her. Um and,
1: I don't, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, so, it's hard. You know, we're, we we yeah. don't need to be around the bush. They're angels.
0: Yeah, I mean they call themselves no. angels. So basically, we we get that. Dust and dark matter are, yet yeah, they are the same thing. Um, they are conscious in a way that yeah that can, you know, they're gonna answer questions. Um Mary asks, is this this mind that is answering these questions for me right now, is it human? She goes, No, it's not. But we've been around humans for forever. Yeah. Because, okay, as what? And then they go, Angels. And you go, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, we've been um creating guiding um what else is this uh, i'll write it down making stimulating and guiding and there are uncountable billions of us who've been here since the beginning and she's like okay so does that mean that you've interfered with human evolution and they go yeah and she goes why and they say
1: oh yeah it's that final is that then. the
0: final like that's what i'm building to and like you need all the context because then why would you interfere with human evolution and they go vengeance and that's the that's the bombshell and then it ends and it's like fucking there are so many implications what does that mean
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's fucking great it's crazy it's crazy and I just love that we're getting again they're really showing their hand in terms of the end game of this whole series um mm. in a fairly early on well i say it early on we're halfway through the second season um but fuck me <laughs> vengeance against what and then you just you you start asking so many questions like okay what would angels want vengeance against and if they want a human human humanity as a weapon like what what does that mean (laughs) against what (laughs) yeah um i mean yeah I, i don't know where to start i don't know what to say
1: i mean i think that is a conversation for another day
0: it is but just like just the because
1: there are a lot of um, shall we say things and people we've yet to encounter yeah. that would explain a bit more about yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm glad they've. I'm glad they've gone in hard with this. Yeah,
0: they're they're not burying the lead again, and that's part of the stuff that i think that we can get um in terms of balancing the different storylines um, if we do have a couple of the quiet weeks with will and lyra um then we're going to get some crazy shit going on with mary and like what is she going to do with that information like what 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 <laughs>
1: like, yeah
0: um did she record that please tell me you were recording that right like, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: um and, and also, yeah. yeah I mean, the other thing I, that I want to say, but I can't because it'll be major spoilers. Yeah, obviously, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Like I say, we're talking about the end game. We're talking about what this is all about. And again, you can start. It's not difficult you know, without talking about spoilers. You start putting things together, like the subtle knife and what the subtle knife can do. Why Azriel needs it. What Azriel's mission is. He said at the end of mm-hmm. the second episode, "Let's go to the source. Let's go and ask the question: What is dust? Okay, when you say the source, what do you mean?" Uh, because he's not thinking about a computer, he's thinking about something else. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's not difficult to start theorising, uh, but we won't do that for fear of spoiling, uh, because obviously we both know how it all yeah. turns out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this this show's fucking amazing. Um, I do. The other sort of thing that is a, is a shame um, in this season season is that we do have that lack of Asriel again. Um, yeah, and it's becoming evident in this particular episode. He gets talked about a lot. And it's the same thing as Azriel When Asriel drew, you know, did his thing in the sky, Asriel needs this for his mission. Azriel, Azreal, as like, but we can never see him or, or or see what's going on with him because you cast a really famous actor to play him. Like you kind of fucked up.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I would say is that there is, especially in this book, he's largely off screen anyway. He is
0: true, true. But like, I feel like it's because that happened a lot in season one as well. Yeah. Um, like he was just talked about constantly and then and we never actually saw him or what was going on with him until right at the very end and this is happening again this season. Um, the difference being, as we talked about in the first episode, unfortunately, although they were planning on having an Asriel episode filling us in, um, that got cancelled due to COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. They started filming it and they had to stop. Um, and they did say that they've weaved some of that stuff back in and I think we probably saw some of that. I reckon a lot of that Subtle Knife um, backstory stuff that we saw at the beginning yeah. of this episode was probably originally intended for that uh, McAvoy episode. Uh, okay, because th- if you think about it, you saw like the attack of the specters on Chitigatsi and all that sort of stuff happening. Yeah, as a result of it, I reckon some of those shots and the- that story would have been. And you think about it as well because it's just purely voiceover and shots. There's no actors or whatever, so they could have quite easily done that after the fact. And put that in as a, as good. right, we'll put this in at the beginning of episode four. Yeah. And that will give us some of the backstory that we're missing now because we don't have that McAvoy episode anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is it is tough.
0: It's shame, but it's, it is what it's,
1: it is. It is a shame, but I'd it's
0: rather, I'd rather have seven episodes of this than, than none, do you
1: know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It, so, you know, count your blessings. Yeah, oh fucking yeah! I mean, uh, it's yeah. So in like again, another two weeks, we're going to be what coming up to? So in two more weeks, we'll be at the position where we've got just the finale. The finale. Okay, cool.
0: So we'll that yeah, we'll have five and six to talk about. Yeah, and then we can have we'll do another episode where we'll just talk about the finale and our thoughts on the whole season. Yeah, Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we we're calling it the finale. It's interesting to see if it feels like a finale, if it, if everything feels complete, you know, given that they're, they're missing this episode. Um, mm. by the sound of it, it was mainly kind of a flashbacky episode or a bottle episode. So probably we'll get, they'll get away with it. Um, it won't feel like, cause I've seen there are other things that have just been sort of stopped. Um, I think like, so doom patrol this um, season. I don't know. You've never watched it, have you? No, but they were literally, they were meant to have 10 episodes in the season. And then they did nine and never got around to filming the 10th episode. Because oh. um yeah, because of COVID. So it ends on the you know, penultimate episode cliffhanger that you usually get in a season of T V leading to the finale and then there was no finale. Oh shit. Which is much worse than the situation we've got with dark materials by the sound of it. So hopefully we will get yeah. a, a satisfying conclusion to this season. Um, right. but we'll get we'll have a better idea of that in a couple of weeks' time.
1: Yeah, fucking geez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so grateful It's no, yeah. kind of giving me the heebie-jeebies a bit that we could have i know i
0: know it was it was really nice as well because season two was of um dim shot was great
1: yeah yeah it was good um oh, just never hooked me yeah i know, I know. anyway i watched all of <clears throat> titans though so it's okay, clearly not nice. a mark of you know quality <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah titans were the uh the the visuals is is great
0: everything everything writing is awful yeah.
1: the writing is less so <laughs> but you know there uh, uh, are are no, you ever
0: gonna watch it I will do at some point yeah
1: right I won't spoil it then okay um yeah I was gonna say something then but it's major um but yeah no, it's, it's, not, it's not the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, it's still not so great. Yeah. Hey, it's no dark materials. No. Um,
0: yeah, I think that so yeah. kind of wraps it up anyway. That does kind of wrap it up. So, yeah, um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you're not watching his dark materials, fucking watch it um, watch because it's great. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, let us know what you're thinking about, uh, what's going on at the moment, anything you're watching. We're talking about doing some Christmas movies, I think. Um, yeah because it is now tis the season um it is the first december as we're recording this um so we're officially allowed to start talking about christmas movies um so we're going to start doing a few of them as um christmas specials i'm doing one a day yeah you'll yeah. do it you do one christmas movie every day for the whole month of december don't you yes you, i'll do the same uh, for halloween you're a fucking madman oh, but i love it um
1: <laughs>
0: yeah um yeah so i'm sure no doubt we'll end up talking about some of them on the podcast um um, but in the meantime, if you guys have found anything that we should be talking about, let us know.
1: Yeah, do drop us a line because obviously uh, content is a little thin on the ground. A little bit, just a little but bit. But also if you've got any Christmas sort of sleepers, like my tradition of watching Krampus on the 1st of December is still going well. <laughs> I might try and watch it did, last night, year, did it this year, did it the year before that, did it started yeah. in 2016, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I might try and watch it tomorrow, actually. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'd give it a recommend. If you really like, um, if you like Gremlins or any of those, like Joe Dante, like 1980s, like s- horror comedy things, Yeah, then this is for you.
0: Mm. Okay,
1: fair enough. Also, it's got um, Adam Scott in it. Not Andrew Scott, Adam Scott. Okay. Adam
0: Scott is from Parks and Rec.
1: Ben from Parks and Rec. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, and Tony right. Collette. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think. Oh, I can never pronounce his surname, but um, one of the guys from Anchorman. I've forgotten I've forgotten his name. Anyway, it's too late, and yeah. we should go. All right, mate.
0: Um, right. So, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you on the next one.
1: Bye. And I say bye quietly because everyone in my place is asleep. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: There are people out there very upset because Ahsoka's um, head thing isn't long enough. Oh. So like her the leku they call or whatever they they like te- tendril things that come off her head and go off the, the, around the front are like significantly shorter than they were in rebels, right? And everyone's like, "What the fuck? Did she get a head cut?" Uh, Doesn't make any sense. And then it was basically just some her production designer just went, "Yeah, if you were to make them that length in real life, they'll be wildly impractical for any actor trying to do stunt work." So. <laughs> We made an executive decision. Okay, get over it, nerds. Like, yeah, okay,
1: that's, that's completely <laughs> fair. Sit down. That's Growing up are talking, this is how this stuff works.
0: Realistically, she would not have been able to like, do all those flips and shit that you love so much if she had giant tendrils like weighing her down from the front. It doesn't make sense. Like, just her center of gravity would be all off. Just, no, all right, just no. <laughs>
1: Just think about like Just think about it for physics. a second. <laughs> not 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 Star Wars physics. Not the yeah. fact that you've got X wings which are which fly in space.
0: Well not even that. The fact that what you're talk, what you guys are talking about is a cartoon. <laughs> Doesn't work in real oh, life, does know. it?